I believe there's a hero in all of us. You have great powers, only some of which you have yet discovered. I'm a superhero, my A real life superhero. The world needs extraordinary. We'll make you a superhero. Are you ready to become a hero? Initiating surprise in three. This two is one. The Real Brian Show. Oh man, do I have a treat for you today. I first met this woman, Jody, through Podcasters Paradise, part of the Entrepreneur on Fire Empire. And Jody really impressed me, I gotta tell you. She had so many great things to share. She's extremely inspirational. And I actually feel empowered after talking with her. And and not to mention that she is basically Yoda. Let's rock it. this doesn't actually get you pumped up for anything, then uh, you know what? Go back to bed. Just just stop. Just stop right now. Stop. Go back to bed. Start over. Get yourself an espresso. And rock it! Come on! Woo! I'm excited. I mean, when am I not? You know, when I get behind the microphone, I think I just always get excited. And I always say that. And it's so funny because sometimes we'll be like, Brian, that's a crutch phrase. That's a crutch phrase. Stop it. Stop saying you're excited. Stop it. Stop. But it's so true. Like, I get behind the microphone and I get excited and it's just amazing. Dude, dude, dude. I get to talk with Jody Flynn. And uh, Jody Flynn is just, like I said, just an amazing person. Love chatting with her. And I had such an awesome time on Podcasters Paradise that I was like, you know, I got to bring you on The Real Brian Show. We got to chat about this. And you know what? It's awesome. We're going to have a great time today. Jody is the founder of Women Taking the Lead. This is a podcast in a community of ambitious entrepreneurial women who want to go big. She works with type A women who are already successful, but maybe they haven't yet achieved the, you know, the level of success that they want to achieve. So Jody helps her clients set priorities, get organized in action and overcoming obstacles so that they can achieve their biggest goals with ease. She became an Amazon best selling author with the release of her book accomplished how to go from dreaming to doing. Jody, welcome to The Real Brian Show. Thank you for being here. Oh, Brian, thank you for having me on. I'm so honored. <laughs> well, I'm excited too because we connected back through Podcasters Paradise. Did you say that was like, what, 13 or 14 months ago now? Yes. Gosh. When we logged on to Skype, I saw our last note. I was like, holy smokes, I can't believe that much time has passed. That's, that's a travesty. I mean, it really is. <laughs> you know, awesome people. We get so busy and then yeah. we have to go to conferences to connect with each other. <laughs> I know you're going to hit me, but I'm not going to a podcast movement this year. That bums me out, but I get it. I was yeah. back and forth. I know. And I really topic. want to go because honestly, the only reason I want to go is to see people like you. And mm-hmm. other than that, but I'm like, I, I don't know if I can justify that expense right now. I get it. You know what? I was in the same place. Yeah. And then a friend of mine was asked me, like, are you going to submit to speak at Podcast Movement? I was like, no, that doesn't make any sense. That's not my people and my crowd. You know, yeah. I need yeah. to be going to more women's conferences because yeah. like, you know, my business is women taking the lead. And so that's where I need to put my focus. And then but they planted that seed. And, you know, when that happens and you can't stop thinking about something. And all of a sudden I was like, well, really, my coaching is around like helping people over overcome Mm -hmm. and to not be so stressed out and, you know, to be successful and to accomplish their goals. And I was like, 
Well, two pretty popular topics in podcasting is failure to launch, right? So there are people mm. who talk about it, having oh, yeah. a podcast, talk about it, talk about it, talk about it, and they can't seem to get it going. And then also pod fading, you know, yeah. which is not a bad thing, but it's out there. And I think people are afraid of it. Or I think some people pod fade for good reason, right? It was time to transition the right thing to do. But a lot of people, I think, pod fade because they just couldn't do it anymore. They couldn't keep up. They were super disappointed. And I was like, I can speak to those things. So I submitted and I'm speaking this year. Oh, I can submit. Yay. Good. You know, you are, my gosh, that is such a great point. And I don't think people realize this because, you know, when I did ProfitCast, I was talking to podcasters. So you're talking about the same thing, you know, like, yep, the, all yeah. of these things and, and everybody gets it. With The Real yeah. Brian Show, most of the listeners are not podcasters. And so they don't necessarily understand what goes into it. And I've had conversations locally with people that are either just now learning about podcasting or have listened, but they don't know really what's going on. And everyone's like, of course, the first question I get is how many listeners do you have? And I'm like, that's like asking me how much I weigh or asking a woman how much she weighs. Like, that's not a, that's not a respectful question, you know, or, right. or the other question is, well, how do you make money with podcasting? Which is a legitimate, curious question. But a lot of times people are just like, well, isn't that just a hobby thing? Right. <laughs> I'm like you have no idea how much time and money and resources and, and like that goes into it, first of all, but how much it takes out of you, but yeah. yet at the same time, how much it gives back to you. Oh, so it's I like, completely oh. agree. Yeah, I completely agree. If it was easy, everyone would be doing it. And there is a yeah. very small population and there are people who get into it and get out. But yeah, I think you're absolutely right. It has like a new term that is quickly becoming my favorite recently is unintended consequences, hmm. right? So there are a lot of really good unintended consequences that come from having a podcast. You meet people you would probably never have a chance to meet if you didn't have a podcast. Totally. It's, it's a key yeah. to a door. Like I can go up and talk to people who are like kind of really big deals. Like not that I couldn't anyway, but they'll listen to me because I will say, I would like to have you on my podcast and I have their attention, you know? So it provides a lot of opportunities, visibility, credibility, all of that. And yes, there are some weekends where I am working when I don't want to be working because I got to keep it up, right? Yeah. There's a lot of work to be done. And you know, and I have to say to your ProfitCast podcast that it makes perfect sense that there was an end date to that, right? Because yes. there, there are only so many ways that you can make money with a podcast. I mean, if some new way comes along, you can always do an additional episode and drop it in. But, you know, how many times can you have a conversation about Patreon and sponsorships totally. and, you know, doing webinars and that sort of thing? So it made sense that there was an end date for that podcast. But I love your new format because like what you're doing now, you could talk to anybody about yeah. anything at any time. It's it's evergreen. Yeah. And that was the one thing that I honestly people have said, well, you pod faded with ProfitCast. And I said, no, I didn't. I ended it on mm -hmm. purpose. Like it wasn't right. a, well, all right, I guess I can't. It was a, uh, you know what? I'm done with this. And yeah, there were, there were a few reasons, but one of the main reasons was exactly what you said. There was so much limitation on ProfitCast. There were so many people I wanted to interview and so many topics I wanted to discuss. And all people wanted to hear over there was strategies on how to make money and grow the podcast. And I mm -hmm. thought, man, I've got other things I want to share, which is why I transitioned over here. Uh, oh my gosh, it's been the best decision ever. <laughs> so, yeah, you know, it's been know. another interesting thing is uh, when I was doing radio years ago before podcasting, you know, when somebody found out you were a radio DJ, it was like, oh my gosh, that's the coolest thing ever, you know, or even a musician. Oh my gosh, that's amazing. You know, and nowadays 
you know, they say, what are you doing? Well, you know, I have a, I have a show. It's a podcast. And they're like, oh, because it's (laughs) common. It's no longer considered a unique thing because the barrier to entry of podcasting is so low that Mm -hmm. anybody can start a podcast. And unfortunately, not everybody is, is good. Right. So it's, it's it's interesting now. It is true. It like the landscape has definitely changed and it's been interesting watching it evolve because I feel like I came in kind of late to the game. I launched in 2015, but the number of people who are launching podcasts like today, like it's amazing to me, like everybody, but a lot of people quickly realize like, holy smokes, this is a lot of work, you know, I have a lot of people who are like, hey, can I pick your brain about podcasting? Can I ask you some questions? Like, I don't even beat around the bush. I'm like, it's a lot of work. Like, here's how many hours it takes for the interview podcast. Here's how many hours it takes for my topical episodes. You know, like, I don't mess around. And I will tell them how much money I spend to outsource a lot of the work. And so it's definitely a time, energy, money investment. But like I said, those some of the unintended consequences and the momentum I I'm building because this I'm going into my third year have definitely made it worth it. Yeah, that's good. I've even gotten to the point now where I believe that a really good podcast, I mean, a quality podcast should be a full-time thing. And, mm-hmm. and that doesn't necessarily mean 40 hours a week, but it should be a full-time focus. And if that's part of your business, it's a full-time focus as part of your business. If it's a hobby or, but you know what I'm saying? Like, cause I, I just don't think and this is something I've experienced as well, is that if I'm busy working on other things and, and I'm like, well, I'll get to the real Brian show when I have time, then that episode is never as good. Mm-hmm. It's just the right. way it is. And, and obviously, you know, I've got other clients I work with. I've got other things. So it's not to say that, like I said, it takes up 40 hours a week, but I think most people think, oh, this is just a side thing when I have time. And yeah, if that's it- the case, it will suck. I think some people initially relate to it like, oh, it's like having a blog. Nope. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> If only, if only I remember when I would write one blog a week and it would be like a couple hours from start to finish. I'm like, those days are gone. Yeah. Yeah. It's crazy. So that's how we all got connected. That was fun. Yeah. And the Podcasters Paradise podcast was such a great thing. It was a one year run. So, you know, hey, it's good to go back and listen to some great content there. Oh, yeah. But I have to ask you this, Jody. You were telling me you were excited about something. And I, I love the question now that I, I used to ask this and I start I, I stopped asking and I'm, I feel so bad about it. But now I'm asking again, what are you nerding and geeking out on right now? <laughs> when you tell me you were going to ask this, I busted out <laughs> laughing because immediately something came to my mind and I was like, oh, we're going to have a whole conversation about this. <laughs> I will say this. I have shared on the surface that I've read a book right? But I really haven't talked about how into it I am. So I've really gotten into the law of attraction. Oh, (laughs) I just talked about this. You did? Yes. That's so funny. Not that long ago, a few episodes ago, well, a few weeks ago. It's the law of attraction. That's why you're now attracting this conversation to you. So (laughs) I am definitely, I think we, most of us have heard about the book, The Secret. And I think for most of us, it was interesting, but a little like, eh, I don't know. I don't really get it. Well, the law of attraction was written long before The Secret, and it was the instigator to that book movie. But the law of attraction, and and here's why I'm geeking out on it, because I'm fascinated by it, and I believe it's true. But (laughs) here's the thing, and why I hesitate to share about it, because the information 
came through a couple, a woman named Esther Hicks and her husband, Jerry Hicks. And basically Esther Hicks channeled like beings from the other side who collectively call themselves Abraham. And that's why you'll often hear the term Abraham Hicks and the law of attraction, because it's actually Abraham dash Hicks. It's a collaboration, but basically it introduces like these universal laws, one of them being the law of attraction. And I really got into this at a time in my life where I was just getting kind of frustrated. Things weren't moving. You know, I had a a dip in clients and, you know, it was right around, um, not to get political, but between the election and the inauguration, Mm -hmm. like, and for about a month or two after I had a dip in new clients, which normally, you know, in the coaching world around the holidays and the new year, you're not seeing a lot of activity because people are, you know, involved And you know, the meetings I have usually at the beginning of December end with, well, let's reconnect in January. Great. Right. That's the norm. But it was like January, February, beginning of March, like, And people were like, yeah, we should talk at some point. But right now I have a lot going on. And I was just like, oh, my God, what is happening? And I started reading books or listening to books like Gabrielle Bernstein's The Universe Has Your Back. And then after that was The Law of Attraction, the podcast I'm listening to, like all of a sudden she was starting to talk about quantum mechanics and the law of attraction. And I was just like, all right, I'm into this. And, you know, and I'm starting to watch the YouTube videos. I won't say I'm an expert on this, but like and have gotten all all into it. But I'm getting like somebody then recommended like, oh, if you've done if you read The Law of Attraction, read this other book that they did. And oh, here's their YouTube channel. And so like, I am absolutely starting to (laughs) geek and nerd out on this whole concept of we are co-creators with the universe. And there's a way to do it that will get you the results that you're looking for. Interesting. And I have not read the book, but you know, I've heard the, the concept of it. And of course, I think what I've heard was more on the sowing and reaping thing, you know, what you put Mm -hmm. out, typically is what comes back in some way or another. Yeah. It's so true. So, okay, let me ask you this then, because Mm -hmm. even one thing I talked about on the show was, was just the idea of attitude. It's something I've been really experiencing a lot lately, and then also doing some experiments on And and something that I talked about quite a while ago was the idea of, uh, I love biking and I get on the bike path. And a couple of years ago, of course, this was probably three years ago now, now that it's summer of, you know, 2017 almost, but it was the idea that you're on the bike path and people look at you and they smile and they nod and they, they, you know, you keep going. Now, almost nobody looks up. They don't even want to acknowledge you. Same thing. Like I go to coffee shops, I work, you know, I smile at somebody and, and they would usually smile back and everybody's happy. And, and now you smile and people kind of get creeped out. And I'm like, what the heck, you know? But I did one thing, interestingly enough, and this was one of the accidental discoveries was that I was really, really in a great mood. And part of it was choice, part of it was circumstances, but it was like, finally, I'm joyful. It's not, I'm not Mm. forcing it, you know, and I'm just walking by and I'm smiling and I'm doing my thing. And and I got double takes from so many people. And at that point they couldn't like help but smile. And I thought, what do I like look better today or something? Like what's going on here? And later I realized I'm like, oh my gosh, it really is a lot about like my attitude, my whatever. I, I don't even know what the. It's who you were being. Yeah, but it was felt. It wasn't just seen on my face. Like they could feel my joy somehow. You know, dogs, animals, they feel fear or they feel joy or they feel peace and, you know, all of that. Right. 
Yes. Uh, it was amazing. That's when I started to kind of go, oh my gosh, this is powerful, you know? And we, yes, yeah. I've read this my whole life and I knew about it. And it's easy to say, oh yeah, I know that. But then I have I, to look in the mirror and go, but am I negative or positive right now? Right. And I, you know what I talk about with my clients? There's the things we get conceptually, right? When we're looking to change how we approach the world and, you know, what we believe about the world. I think there's a process where we first understand a new concept, right? That if, you know, that whole thing, like if you smile at the world, the whole world smiles back at you. Like, you know, we kind of get that conceptually, but there are underlying beliefs that we have that contradict this new concept. So like what I say to my clients is you get it conceptually, but you're not living it. And it's the underlying belief that you still have that's preventing you from making this thing you understand conceptually your new belief. So you have to get at what that is. And so for you, you understood the whole concept like, okay, like if you smile and you put out good vibes, good vibes will come back at you. But what was missing was you actually have to feel it. Yeah. You know, you have to be that. And they, and they talk about that in the law of attraction. Like you have to think about what you want. So you have to identify what you want. That's the first step. That's when you start to create what you want in your life. But then you have to put the emotion behind it that aligns with the thought. So you have to get yourself to a joyful place. And I totally get that. Like the whole you were smiling before, but it didn't go past your face, you know, but when you felt joyful, there was something more to the experience that people had of you, that you were actually being joyful. It wasn't the smile. It was like, it was the whole package that people were getting, like everything about you aligned with a joyful, friendly person. And that's what was attractive to them. And that's why you were getting the second looks and the smiles back. So yeah, we absolutely have to think about not only the thoughts that are going through our head. And this is where that whole notion of you just need to change your thoughts. You just need to change your thoughts. You just need to think positive. And why that's not always true is because we don't then think about well, what am I feeling and how can I get myself like so that I'm not only thinking positively, I feel positive about what's going on. So what did they say was the step to get from the thinking to feeling? You have to identify the things that bring you joy, Hmm. right? And engage in those activities. So you mentioned that there were circumstances that made you joyful. Like, you know, can you recreate it? So for you, you're a musician. So is it playing an instrument for a little while, like starts to bring more lightness and ease and joy into your life? Is it talking with a particular person? You know, is it dancing around? You know, whatever it is for you, some activity that gets you to a state and it doesn't have to be like ecstatic and excited. That's not what they meant by joy. They actually were just talking about joy in terms of feeling good like getting to that feel good place. And when you're in that feel good place and you think about what you want and then you act in accordance with it, it has more power than if you're just thinking about what you want and and starting to take some actions. That's amazing. And I think, gosh, this it's so funny that we're talking about this right now. I think this is what happened to us with Podcasters Paradise is we were both like in the same parallel like journey. <laughs> it was really funny. Yes. But I have to say it's really it is interesting because I think that the the thing that I've experienced I think I've overanalyzed myself a little too much in my life which, you know, maybe I should be a little easier on myself, but <laughs> I was realizing and I and I look back sometimes and I for me high school was not glory days, but I had a good high school experience. But one thing that I remember about high school is things were simple and things were pretty black and white for the most part. 
Obviously there were, you know, your issues and everybody has issues in high school, but it's like the older you get, the more you learn, the more you experience, the more grayscale things get, the more jaded you get, the less wisdom that you may acquire because you're acquiring like a ratio of too much knowledge to wisdom sort of thing. And all of a sudden you just know too much and you don't know what to do with it. So I was looking back and I was saying, why was I such a joyful person in certain years? Why was I able to just let things bounce off for the most part? You know what I mean? Uh, And then nowadays I'm like, man, I'm struggling to keep that joy. Like you said, going from that thought to feeling, I'm struggling to keep that feeling alive so that it's, you know, it's radiating for me and I'm going, what's going on. And I know they talk about, you know, you're the sum of the five people around you. And I thought, well, okay. Yeah. A lot of the people that I'm, I'm currently locally connected with right now are dealing with a lot of struggles, which, you know, that's not necessarily their own fault kind of thing. It's just the crap we go through. Like you said, circumstances are very real, right? But I got to thinking, you know, that's why I'm glad you said that is sometimes you go, okay, do you need to distance yourself from those situations or those people even for a while in order to get from the thought to the feeling? Because no matter how much you say that, you know, oh man, I just, I feel down and I don't know why. So I'm Mm -hmm. going to think positively, but like you said, that only goes so far and it doesn't translate until you're actually in that point where it's like, I believe it. That's actually who I am right now. I am someone who radiates positivity. I'm somebody who radiates joy right now and I'm going to share it with others kind of thing. Yeah. And you really resonated with that because that is who you are. When you think back on a time in your life when like things were good and I was myself, right? Yeah. You're a joyful person and you radiate that. And I think all of those things are true, but there was something in what you said where you said something and then you busted out laughing and it had the ring of truth to it was you're like, I think I need to stop overthinking things. (laughs) (laughs) Seriously. (laughs) Like, isn't it funny? We all know the answer, but sometimes we dismiss it. And I totally get that because I describe traits as a coin and there are flip sides of the coin. So with every trait we have, There's like when it's working for us and when it's working against us. I'm often described as being a very thoughtful person, but I also overthink things oftentimes. And I really have to notice when I'm doing that. And, you know, just to kind of get a little bit vulnerable, too, because, you know, as a coach, you know, people have this impression like you're supposed to always have it all together and you've got it all figured out. And, you know, like you don't experience the same struggles that everyone else does. But I do. And I had a very odd day a couple of days ago where I woke up in the morning and I felt anxious. And I was like, why am I feeling anxious? Like, what is going on? It was a normal day. There was nothing super scary on my schedule, but it was just, I had a lot to do and I wanted to get it all done. I'm also a very type A person. I'm a high achiever. And so like the thought of not getting everything done, like right away was just driving me crazy. And I even like went for a walk to try to shake it off and and get some fresh air and take breaks and stretch and meditate and all this stuff. And I just could not shake it. But the thing was, is I couldn't let go of that. I guess it was like a requirement, that Mm. internal requirement that everything that I had on my to-do list that day had to get done. And I realized I was doing it to myself. And so I had to look at like, what is the belief that I have about this? And I realized like, and this is something I work on, like none of the, like sometimes you can like identify a belief, change it, it's gone. But sometimes you have to, it's a practice. You have to notice when it keeps coming up because it will try to stick around. And it's this whole belief, like if I can't maintain the schedule that I set for myself, everything's going to fall apart. Yeah. You know, if I keep procrastinating, my business will never get to the place I want it to be, you know, and I keep pushing things back on my calendar and that's not okay. And then what happens is I end up with a day where I'm super anxious and 
on a day when you're feeling that anxious, you're not very productive no, anyway. Nothing happens. <laughs> it just kind of dies. And then you go on. Oh, you beat yourself up because the day sucked. Yeah. And what you do get done doesn't get done very well. You're just glad it's gone. And so, you know, it's really kind of, you know, doing that dual thing of monitoring the thoughts you're having and the emotions you're feeling and the actions you're taking, which is very simple, but we can overcomplicate it. And what it all boils down to, Brian, is really it's self-awareness, just being aware, you know, get to know yourself. Like what what I say to my clients, I'm like, you know, you're going to get to know yourself for the rest of your life. You know, there's no having it all figured out. You're going to come across situations where you're going to be surprised by your own reaction. Yeah. Because you don't know everything about yourself. You're not aware. So it's just a practice every day of just noticing what thoughts are going through your head, what emotions you're feeling, what actions you're taking, not judging them, but just kind of being like, hmm, and being aware of them because that's when you have facility. That's when you can like let things move through you. And a quick other thought, because this was like a squirrel that came in my head. Yeah. Also recognizing that emotions like you were meant to notice them and feel them, like express them and then let them go. And sometimes we try to deny we have an emotion or we try to get rid of it so fast because we're like, oh, this feels yucky. I want to get rid of it. It's like, no, like really think about like what has you feeling that way? What brought you there? You know, acknowledging it, maybe expressing it for a little while and then allowing it to move through you. Like emotions are like water. It's just meant to move past (laughs) like a river, move past. But you can't deny that the river is there. You know, I really like that because you can't deny emotions. They do exist. They do happen. And you also can't let them rule you. And I think that's what you're saying. Express them and let them go. Because I think when people let emotions rule them. And I've, I've said this a lot, like you dominate your circumstances or your circumstances dominate you, for example. That's the same kind of thing. Like if your circumstances are dominating you, then you're letting your emotions get the best of you. Mm-hmm. And then those emotions you can't let go of. So I, I like how you said that, like you're meant to notice and feel them and express them. But then let them yeah. go. Yeah, your emotions are just a warning system that you're like, what's showing up for you is either what you want or what you don't want. Isn't it you know? like a byproduct? Like, yes. should it be a byproduct and not necessarily a, oh yeah. So your emotions should be a byproduct, but not the controlling factor or something like right. that. It's like, <laughs> from, yeah, it's like the alarm that goes off in the morning. It's supposed to wake you up, but you're not meant to sit there listening to the alarm yeah. <laughs> for an hour. Like you hear it, you wake up, you look at the clock and then you shut the alarm off. Right. And that's what emotions are meant to be. They're meant to wake you up to something. So like on the day I was feeling super anxious, all it was was a warning system like, okay, there's something going on here that's not in alignment with how you want to live. And the reality was I was putting way too much pressure on myself. Like the anxiety was a warning system that something was going on. It just so happened to be I was putting too much pressure on myself. It could have been something else. But in either way, the only way I can investigate it is by having that emotion. Because otherwise, if we didn't feel emotions, we'd probably all be living lives that were pretty wonky. Oh, yeah. You know, I would probably not be getting much sleep. I'd be super driven, all this stuff. But like by getting the feedback that our body is sending us, like the anxiety or the lethargy or the exhaustion, that lets me know that maybe I'm pushing a little too hard or putting a little too much pressure. And maybe it's time to have some fun. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. And that... So it's just meant to be like a warning system, something to help. Like it's like your internal GPS. Think of it that way. I love that. I really like that. 
That's cool. Mm -hmm. Thanks for sharing that. It's very interesting kind of going along with that, something I've been uh, just even looking at. And I've talked about this a lot with all of the shows I've done is the idea of really being your best self. And I know this is nothing you know new. Everybody talks about this kind of thing, but I don't think any of us really ever realize how powerful that is because we look at, well, I'm me, you know, and whatever. But are you your best self when you're angry and road raging? For example, you know, because everybody does it. I do it, you know, and it's like, is that my, is that my best meat? Am I a benefit to someone around me when I'm road raging? Not at all. <laughs> Not even a benefit to myself, you know? So obviously there's these things like that, but that's where the emotions become like the more of the control for me. And it was interesting because I was thinking about why do I ever road rage? Mm-hmm. And I started to, again, analyze this probably should be careful yeah. on this, but I came to the conclusion that I was not from a general standpoint, living a fulfilled life in that moment, but there was something wrong. Something was stressful or like you said, even putting too much pressure on myself, whatever, right? There was Mm -hmm. always some other factor that was going on that caused me to be in that road rage state. And then on the other times when I'm like, I'm good, I'm fine. Stupid people do stupid things on the road. And I'm like, whatever. And I'm like, Mm -hmm. wait a minute, why am I fine now? And I wasn't then that's where you have to kind of, like you said, you look at what's the root, I guess is the issue. But yeah, that's when it's okay to give things some thought, Brian. Totally. I know. I know. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's not perseverating, but it is a good inquiry because I actually went through the same thing myself. And what I found was I felt road rage because I was pissed at myself because totally. I'm the type of person that likes to be early. If not, like, actually, I will say early. Like, if I'm on time, I feel like I'm running a little bit late. I like to be early, but then why do I leave my home where I'm cutting it close? Right. So then I'm mad at myself because I cut it close and now I'm on the road and I'm behind a school bus and it keeps stopping (laughs) and somebody cut me off and now someone's getting pulled over and right. And I'm feeling anger at other people. But the reality is I'm really frustrated with myself. Totally. You know, I'm not meeting my own standard. And as soon as I realize, okay, I made this decision. Nobody's going to die. If I show up late, I will apologize. I will not make excuses and I'll make a different choice next time. I can let it go and then let people do the wacky things that they're doing on the road. Isn't being upset with yourself the main and probably primary and only reason why people get upset with someone else? Yes, I will say yes to that. I think when you say primary, I'm like, yep. And I think you're acknowledging in that it's not always 100% of the time, but I think most of the times when we're expressing anger at somebody else, It usually started with some sort of disappointment or frustration with ourselves. And now we're just blasting somebody else because of it. Yep. Now, it's one thing to say if somebody hurts you and you go to them and you say, hey, you know, I need to confront this. And of course, nobody ever takes that well. And so it comes across as that I'm being angry and upset and attacking, even Mm -hmm. if I'm not, just because none of us want to hear what we're doing wrong, right? Right. Um, but I like how you actually phrased it better is that the primary reason for our anger, for our attack on someone else, whatever that may be, even if it's bullying, we've talked about bullying a lot here on the show. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Is that we're upset with ourselves? What I talk often about with my clients too is, you know, when somebody's angry at you, rarely does it have anything to do with you. And I think that's why the four agreements is one of my favorite books, because we've actually hit on two of the four agreements. Now, one is always do your best. And the other one is, you know, don't make assumptions. And I think part of what Don Miguel Ruiz talks about in the four agreements in that section on don't make assumptions is that if somebody's 
upset with us, we assume it's because we did something wrong. But rarely does anyone's anger or upset have to do with us. It's normally what happened was something we said or did reminded them of an experience they had in the past. And now they're having an overinflated reaction. Because tell me if I'm wrong. Most times when you're finally having the calm conversation after the heated conversation, somebody usually says, you know what? It's not even you. Hmm, It's just what you did reminded me of my ex-boyfriend or my old boss or, you know, it reminded me of this other thing or I had already had a bad day and then you did this. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. Although Mm -hmm. I, I have been in experiences now, granted more recently, but I would say that, yes, in earlier years, that would be about 100% true for me. But in more recent years, I've had experiences where people just do things out of selfishness and the effect is negative upon someone else or on me, mm-hmm. for example, if they do something. And it's not that I'm angry. It's more of a I'm setting a boundary and saying that's not OK. Right. You know what I mean? Like if you're on the playground, somebody pushes you. You know, my reaction, if I punch back, for example, am I angry or am I saying, you know, that's not okay? I'm not allowing you to do I don't know. I'm I'm just trying to come up with some thoughts here. But I I think you're right that most of the time our anger reactions, our anger choices are definitely mostly about us. But if we respond in maybe a diffusion, we try to diffuse the situation and say, this is what you did and this is how I felt. Yeah. That I don't believe is an angry response. It's more of a, hey, hold on, let's talk about this and that's not okay. Absolutely. Because normally when you're at that point, you're not feeling super emotional about it. I mean, you're not happy that the whole situation is happening because that's not what you want for your life. That's not how you want to live or how you want to be treated. But for the most part, and again, that's something I coach my clients around is before you have that conversation, forgive them. Yeah. Forgive and have the conversation. It's not forgive and forget. I don't believe in that necessarily, unless it is truly a situation where no good will come from talking to the other person. You know, it's forgive and have the conversation, because if you can forgive first, the conversation will be much more productive because you're not coming from a blaming or a punishing place. Like, I want you to feel as bad as you made me feel. Right. Because that's where we make the mistake. We're lashing out. We're accusing. We're blaming. But if we come from a place of we've forgiven them, but we really need them to know what happened and how it made us feel, then people are much more willing to accept responsibility for what they did. And they can see where you're coming from. But if you start with an accusation, the other person will immediately put up their defenses. Totally. We've all experienced this. We know we're in the wrong, but we feel wronged for the way they're talking to us. So we're like, forget it. You are not getting an apology out of me. Forget it. I know what I did was wrong, but what you're doing is wrong. So now we are even Steven. Yep. You know, screw you. <laughs> Let's fight it out. <laughs> right? Yeah. You are like, and this it's is true. exactly what we're talking about with the law of attraction. What you put out is what comes back. If you put out accusation and blame, you know, and I want to punish you, guess what's going to come back at you? Totally. 100% mm-hmm. of the time. Yep. Unless the person is significantly more mature than you, then yes. that will always come back. Yeah. If you're out there fighting and the other person is a lot more mature then they'll probably be able to diffuse it, but most people can't. Yes. There are some very highly conscious people who are in the world who've done the work. They get it. They know what's going on. They know you're just in pain and having your own emotional experience and they can separate themselves from that. Right. They get that. Yeah. It's not about them, that it's about you. You're being now what they did 
might have caused you to become hurt, right? So they can own that and take responsibility for that. But they get the huge emotional reaction you're having about it is your bag. And they can separate themselves from it. But those people are few and far between. Normally in our culture, if you go out looking for a fight, you'll probably find it. Oh, yeah, totally. (laughs) (laughs) So, you know, I was just thinking about the whole forgive and forget thing. I actually don't necessarily agree with that as well. I'm in the whole idea of forgive and reconcile. Yeah, because I think, and and, you know, like it's difficult and almost impossible to forget. Now, I, I, but at the same time, one thing I see people do all the time is they say they forgive, but they end up holding it over you for the rest of your life. And oh my gosh, I granted, I don't experience this too much with most of the people that I know, but I do see it a lot. I see it in, you know, marriage situations or in uh, just other situations where somebody say, you remember when you did this six years ago, I'm still pissed about that. And I'm just like, dude, you got a problem. (laughs) Like that's not okay to be holding that over somebody for that long. Like that is stupid. So yeah, that's, that's kind of the bar for it that I've come to realize, like you have truly forgiven when you can think about the experience without emotion. Yeah. Yeah. Without emotion. So if the person does something similar again, it doesn't trigger you because it's now something different. It's not the same. Yeah. Like what they're doing now, they've never done before. Like this, this has all new criteria, all new situation. But if you think about something, like if you think you've forgiven, but you recall something and it suddenly makes you upset again, you haven't really forgiven. Totally. And you know, it's interesting because there are things that I look back on and I believe I, I truly haven't forgiven. I will tell you that years ago, you know, I would have held it over their heads too, because it's like, ah, whatever you know, pride goes before the fall sort of thing. You experience your own mistakes and then people hold it over you. And then you're like, okay, now I know what it feels like, (laughs) you know, but I'll tell you, it's interesting. The thing that I've started to do now, and I see it sometimes, but not often is I expect someone to make a mistake. I expect someone to hurt me, right? It's not going to be a shock, but it's not necessarily what they do. It's what they do with that from that point forward. So if they hurt me, if they do something bad or stupid, okay, fine. The question is, are you going to shove it under the rug and pretend it didn't exist? Are you going to let pride get in the way? And, you know, so well, I didn't do that. You know, are you going to, uh, you know what I'm saying? Like hold it over somebody's head. It's yeah. that. Or are you going to say, oh man, yeah, I made a mistake. I'm going to do my best to learn from it. I'm going to continue to grow through this and I'm going to become a better person. Oh, I'm all for that. I will 100% be with that person, forgive them, reconcile, walk the journey with them, you know? Mm-hmm. And I've seen this in organizations and businesses all over. And I think that's the one thing that when something does happen, when it draws me back to that emotion, like you were talking about that I get upset about, it's seeing not necessarily something that happened to me years ago personally, but when I see somebody or an organization do something to someone and then they shove it under the rug or they pretend it didn't happen or they, you know what I mean? It reveals character. Yep. Absolutely. Yeah. And I'm with you. I mean, that's a very mature viewpoint. We're all human. We all make mistakes. We don't intend to hurt people, but it happens anyway. Right. So it's not so much. Can you go through life never hurting anybody and never doing anything wrong? No. (laughs) But but how do you handle it when it happened reveals a lot about you. And, you know, I often say this in business. I know this isn't a business show, but this is this is a great example is. And every company under the right circumstances can provide exceptional customer service, right? That's a, that's a given, you know, you can do that, 
what I'm curious about is how does a company handle it when something goes wrong? Yeah. You know, that tells me more about like their value system, their integrity, their mission, their commitment, you know? And so like when a company messes up and then they make it right, I want to shout that from the rooftops, like this company is worth it. They're not just talk. They like, they walk it, you know, they live by it. And that's what impresses me. The same with human beings, like studies have shown that people actually, their reputation improves after they've made a mistake, if they've been able to handle it well. It's like we can have a good impression of somebody. And if they always do the right thing, we're like, oh, that that's a good guy. They always do the right thing. But say they mess up, but then they make it right. Like all of a sudden that person is like higher. Like yeah. we have more esteem for that person than we did before because we're like, wow, they handle that so well, like they were an adult about it. They were really mature. They took responsibility. They were really great with people. It's almost like another dimension to a person to see how they respond to when they mess up. Yeah. Well, case in point, the United situation, right? When, mm -hmm. when they took that guy out forcibly, not that long yeah. ago. And yeah. I don't know if you received this or not, but I, I've been a United customer. I got an email now, granted, I know it was a mass email, but it was written by the CEO and I was like, what's this all about? And I read it and this came in uh, at the end of April. I thought it was fantastic email actually, but you know, the CEO was constantly apologizing and saying, this is not the way we ever wanted to treat anyone. And you know, we let things get out of hand. We let money become the bottom line. And, and he talks about this and that they realized that they hadn't been putting customers first for a long time. And they don't, you know, like what happened kind of thing. Everything got out of control. And so now here's what they're doing to fix the problem and move forward. And I thought, you know what? I don't know if this is going to stay. I don't know if they're going to institute this and this is something we're going to see forever. Or if this is a nice little PR move that they're going to do for about a year and then they're going to go back to their old ways. I don't know. But mm -hmm. this email, I thought, was probably about the best possible way that I've seen most companies handle something like this. Yeah, I, I think it. there's something in us where we want to see people like turn it around. Totally. Right? We, you know, oh, yeah. we want to see people recover and become the success story after a great fall. I remember when years and years ago, you know, I remember reading an article about Britney Spears and they were like, she is going to come back. She is going to do OK because people want her to. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Like, it's human. Like we spin out, we fall under the pressure. Like we can do things to help fortify ourselves against, you know, life and the pressures and all of that. But sometimes we crack under the pressure. I think for the most part, we're rooting for each other. Mm -hmm. Like, it's like if you stand up and you speak in front of a crowd and everyone gets so nervous because they're looking at the people in the room as threats. Like these people are judging me. They're waiting for me to mess up. But the reality is the people sitting in the audience want you to do well. Mm. Right. They're rooting for you. Yeah. And if you can realize that, like I even used to like have these mantras I used to say to myself before I'd get introduced and have to stand up and speak in front of a crowd. I was like, everyone here is my friend. They all want me to do well. This is going to be so much fun, you know. And so coming from that perspective, like people want me to succeed. They want to see me do well. I think that's that is what is true. You know, we get such a negative perception because of what's being put out there. But I think for all of us in our heart of hearts, like, you know, we want to live good lives and we want other people to do so as well. You know, I have unfortunately seen the converse, though. I've seen people that root for people to fail and to hurt. Mm -hmm. um, and especially being an entrepreneur, 
I've had a lot of people in my life that, you know, were not entrepreneurs. They didn't understand. They wanted me to fail so that I would be more like them. They wanted me to conform to them and to their way of life. And because I wasn't conforming, I was seen somehow as a threat. I will say, yeah. And I will say though, I think most of the time though, that you're right. Like if you're on stage or if you're, I think most people do want you to succeed. I really believe that. So maybe that's more of a conformity issue than it is a, uh, you know, like, do we really want to see, uh, you know, the, the person that makes a mistake really die or, or fail miserably? Well, probably not deep down, but because they went different from the way that we conform, for example, then yeah, we don't want, because well, we don't understand them anymore. It's kind of like we have a common enemy, right? What are your thoughts on that? Because I, like I said, I've seen both. So, <laughs> yep. And a couple of thoughts. One, I think there's the individuals out there who want to talk you out of like going out on the ledge yeah. because they're like, oh, it's not safe. Don't do it. Right. Like, that's crazy. You're going to fail. You're going to die. You know, all this stuff, you know, especially when you're an entrepreneur and most of the other people in your life are not. And they would never be entrepreneurs. Those people in the crowd who also want to be entrepreneurs, they're going to watch with curiosity and they're going to want you to win. But the people who absolutely believe like that is not the way to go, that it's too risky. It's scared. It's coming from a place of love because they care about you. So there's that. Then there are the people mm. who are, are standing back and they're really wanting you to fail. Right. Like you said, with these friends and you're absolutely right. You are a threat mm. to what they believe about the world, mm-hmm. because if you risk something and you become successful, what does that say about their life and how they're living? Because mm. probably they're feeling an urge to take more risks and they've decided to play it safe. So you being on their radar is a threat to them. Yeah. Cause if you succeed, they fail and then they know that they're a failure, even though that's not entirely true, but that's what they believe. Right. They're a failure by staying safe because then they have the whole, what if conversation that starts going through their head? Well, Brian, you know, did that and look at how he's living. Like, what if I had, what if I had, and you know, and what, and sometimes these individuals can get pretty nasty. I think for the most part, I've been lucky not to have them in my life or interact with them too much. But when they do come on my radar, kind of the internal dialogue I'm having with myself is like, they're in a lot of pain. Yeah. Right. And that's their bag. I feel bad for them. I hope they work through it. But it's kind of like I have this like go with God mentality. Mm -hmm. Like, look, that is your deal. Go with God. Live a good life over there. And I'm going to live my (laughs) life over here. Yeah. Well, you can't change them. You can't. What's the word here? There's I always forget this word, but you can provide an environment to say, hey, you know what? Here's what I'm doing. And if you'd want to come over and, and, you know, be a part of it, I'm not a threat. Like, come over here, hang out with me. I'd love it you know, but don't throw me down kind of thing. Don't throw me under the bus, but you cannot convince them one way or the other to do whatever it is they're going to do. You know what I mean? So you're Mm -hmm. right. Go with God, live your life. And if you want to join me, great. But if you're not going to do then have fun. I'm here for you if you need me. (laughs) Yeah. And the bottom line, the majority of the people actually are so busy, caught up in their own lives. They're not even paying attention to what we're doing. So true. Oh, well, it is fascinating, but I'm glad you said that, though, because I think many of us, especially those who take risks, you know, those who lead, those who go out and do things that most people go, what? I think we do feel a lot of that. People are against me. What's this all about? And I think you're right. It's not a threat to them. It's a threat to their success and their well, I don't know. I mean, from being a male, their manhood, you know, (laughs) you know what I'm talking about? Like their their their, own decisions. Yep. 
Yeah. Mm-hmm. But even though yeah. that's not what it is, that's how they take it. But I also think too, yes, there's that place of love where somebody's saying, yeah, I care about you. I don't want you to go take this risk and then get hurt, blah, 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 because maybe they got hurt. And so what is it? They're projecting their own experience, even though that may not be your experience. Yes. So on and mm-hmm. so forth. But then, yes, at least what I'm hearing is find the team of people who have your back and are cheering you on and believe it, even if you don't know it for sure, believe they're cheering you on. Yeah. And who get what you're doing. Yeah. You know, they they understand they, you know, and I mean, we're always going to have a mixed bag, totally. right? Because we have relatives and our community and yeah. that sort of thing. But you do have to be very selective about the people you decide to bring into your inner circle. And, you know, I one time came across a woman who was an entrepreneur and she was like, nobody in my life is an entrepreneur. I'm the only one. And she was starting to believe that she was crazy yeah. because everybody in her life kept saying to her, you want to do what with your business? You want to expand? You want to double it? That's crazy. That's crazy. And this was like the mantra she was getting. And I was like, holy smokes, you need to join a mastermind group. Mm -hmm. You need to join a community. You need to start hanging out with other entrepreneurs. I'm like, and I remember like the first statement that came out of my mouth before all of this, I was like, you're not crazy. You're an entrepreneur. And she like, (laughs) her hands like hit the table and she like leaned back and she took a deep breath and she was like, wasn't even looking at me. She was just looking down at the table. And then she looked up at me and she's like, oh my God. Oh my God. Yeah. That's what it is. You're right. I never heard that before. And that's when I was like, you need to join a mastermind group. Yeah. Oh, I love that. You know, and I think it's so cool that your business is about helping people overcome because everyone that I know, regardless of where they're at in their life, even if they're not an entrepreneur, even if they love an eight to five job, like it's, it's not even just about being an entrepreneur, but every person I have ever met and that I know right now has something that is of value to those around them. Mm-hmm. And some choose to go after it. And they utilize it and they're a blessing to so many people. And yeah, usually it does seem crazy because when you do something great, it always seems crazy, right? Because (laughs) easy is the norm and it's boring and it's monotonous and it's the same, right? And the people that I think that go, oh, I could never do that. Or or they they start getting angry if you start talking about things that have gone well. Or I I mean, I've had this, you know, where, where you say, oh, well, they say, well, how was your day? Oh, it's great. You know, I do this and blah, blah, blah. And, and I'm, you know, because it's true. Right. And then they, I see their face, like start to contort and get twisted and they get angry. I'm like, well, how was your day? Oh, mm-hmm. you know, long day. I had a horrible day. And then they start, you know, complaining about the things you're talking about. And I'm going, what the heck? But it's because like you said, they're in a bad place. They haven't overcome whatever it is that they're dealing with, but it's not to say that they don't have something to offer. And I love the fact that you're helping, and I know you're helping women specifically overcome things, but I do know that, you know, anybody can learn from what you're teaching. And I would agree that I think overcoming circumstances, obstacles, emotions, whatever in our lives, that's a fulfilled life. Yeah. And, you know, I I just have to say, Brian, I love what you said right there. And it reminded me of what somebody else said that was really freeing for me because, you know, my heart goes out to people who are in pain, right? And want to overcome and, you know, but just start in a place where they really want to do it. It's almost like they're not in enough pain to really want to make changes. And, you know, you want to invest time and have conversations and be like, read this book, watch this video. This TED talk is amazing, you know, but they're resistant to it. And what this woman was sharing was you can't change everybody, right? Nor should you be trying to, but what you can do is 
live your life and be a model for what life could be mm-hmm. for them. And mm-hmm. then the people who are ready will actually seek you out. They will come to you and say, what is your secret? You've probably heard this before. Brian, you're so cheerful. You're so positive. What's your <laughs> secret? Right? That's the person who's open to hearing what you have to say and wants to change. Otherwise, you know what? They're living their best life the way they know how, and they're living it in a way that they're going to learn the lesson they need to learn. And if we try to interfere with that, we're actually, to some extent, looking down on them and disrespecting their journey. Mm. Jody, thank you for saying that. I got to be honest, like I've been in a place in my life, and granted, this is not about me. Like, I'm sure I'm not the only one that feels this here, but I can only speak for myself, right? I have been in and out of what you just said there my whole life, because like you said, somebody will come to me and say, man, why are you so cheery? And, and they quote, like you said, they seek me out and we develop a great relationship. You know, we've got community. We learn from each other. We grow together. We help each other. It's amazing. Right. And then there's, like you said, your heart goes out to the people that are hurting. And I really do have a deep compassion for people that are going through painful situations. And I've talked about this on the show. I watched 13 reasons why. Mm. That show powerfully impacted me. I have been in that position in my life. I understand what it feels like. And so I do have a deep compassion for people who are going through pain. And so I want desperately to help the people that are in pain. And I can tell you that every single time, hundreds of people in my life that I've tried to help, I have banged my head against the wall and I've gotten nowhere with those people because they didn't want it. And so I, you know, you saying that really almost just gave me personally some freedom because I want to help those people, but until they want it, there is absolutely nothing that I can do for them. I wish, I mean, I can be there for them and I can, you know, let them know they're not alone, I guess. But like you said, you can't change them. You can't, can't change their minds for them. Right. And if we model, I love it. Be a model for what life could be. And I think that's the one thing that I have. So I like on one side, I'm doing that. And on the other side, I'm trying to go help these people. But I think what I need to focus on 100% on, and like I said, I know I'm not the only one here, be a model for what life could be. And those people will eventually come around, hopefully. We hope. I'm sorry. What were you going to say, though? (laughs) Yeah. No, no, no. That was perfect. I almost want to be like, and right there. That was amazing. Okay, we're done. (laughs) (laughs) But the other thought I wanted to share, too, is sometimes if we want it more than they want it, it makes them feel like we're not accepting them and they dig in Mm. even more. And then they have an attitude. Like we all know that feeling like when we were teenagers and our parents were like, you should be doing this, you should be doing that. And then we're like, God, leave me alone. Why can't you just accept me for the way I am? You know, screw this. I'm not doing it. Right. And then we do it out of spite. Right. We we hurt ourselves out of spite. And, And sometimes that can happen if we want it too much, if we want it more than the other person wants it for themselves. We can send a message that we're not accepting them for who they are and we need them to change for us. And it's not about them. It's about us. And I'm so glad that that brought you freedom because that was the experience I had like, oh, okay, I don't have to save everybody. I can offer it like I can always like keep an open door like I'm here when you're ready, but modeling what life could look like that gives me some freedom and gives me some peace and and really respecting people. Yeah. You know, to come when they're ready. Yeah. Like that's the way I want to live. Well, you talked earlier about putting too much pressure on yourself. And I think when you're trying to help people who are in need that don't want it, 
you just keep pressuring yourself. Oh, I got to do this. I got to save them. You know, I can't yeah. let them hurt themselves and and not, right. oh, geez, talk about just beating yourself up and then yeah, you wake up with anxiety. <laughs> a lot of times what creates my anxiety is trying to control things I have no control over. Yes. Well, and I know I've been in that place too, where people have pushed me too hard. Now, granted, in most of those situations, and, and I think this is a very interesting thing that you said, like we can push them too hard. We can send a message that we're not accepting them for who they are. I've had people do the same thing to me in my life. And so there's two different things. One is we can see an actual need that they need to solve because it's a painful situation. And then the other thing that I think we do is we project our own life experiences, personality, everything onto others. That goes back to the whole that, you know, we can only relate to ourselves sort of thing. We want everybody to be like us. (laughs) Mm -hmm. So we say, well, this worked for me. So therefore it'll work for you. Well, that's not true. That hardly is ever true, right? Mm -mm. Each of us is so unique. So uh, that's something that happened to me is people would push, well, this worked for me. So therefore you should do that. And I was like, but that's not going to work for me because that's not who I am. Well, then you're wrong. You know, so and I've always said this too, and something, well, not always something I've said recently. You can either love people or you can be right. It's so true. (laughs) Sorry, just it's I've had to remind myself of that a lot. (laughs) (laughs) It feels so good to be right. But yeah, like ultimately it feels pretty crappy because then you're standing there by yourself being right. You know, as much as like we're like, you know, we hear it. We're like, well, you can be happy or you can be right. And it's like, but I'm right but I am right. Like, what do you say? You know, and, but it's like, yeah, maybe, but like, let's not make that the motivator. Let's not make that like the goal we're shooting for. You know, I heard someone on a podcast, I'm not married, but I always like to pass on like things that resonate as true. But uh, there was a quote on a podcast I listened to where someone was talking about a successful marriage is, you know, one of the keys is having selective hearing. Yes. Right. You know, because, you know, things come out of people's mouths and they say things and, you know, it could trigger you or you could just pretend you didn't hear it. Yep. Or you can say, hey, this is how this is what you said. This is how it came across. Let's both work together on what we say. Right. And this is something Mm -hmm. I've started to say. Gosh, it's the things we learn. Right. Especially now how texting has become the primary mode for conversation. And I'm totally guilty of this. I do this all the time. You know, we have text conversations and somebody's like, what? And uh, one thing I've learned is, well, that's not what I meant, but that's how it came across. And so now I say, well, I don't have the benefit of your brain or you don't have the benefit of my brain. I don't know what you're actually intending without body language and vocal inflection and everything else or the opportunity to explain. I'm sorry, that didn't come out right. This is what I meant. Yeah. Emotion is not expressed very well in text messages and emojis can only get you so far. (laughs) (laughs) Like really, I mean, I've, I've experienced several text messages in the past year where I'm like, the text back is like, you know, either to me or me sending it because it it goes both ways. Luckily is all right. I think we're at the point where we should probably just get on the phone. Yep. Okay. Yep. Let's You know, as soon as you feel like, I don't know where this is going, you know, this is not a conversation meant for text message then. Yeah, that is so true. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I like the selective hearing thing, though. I've I've heard that before, too. And I think that's a very, very important thing to do is just let some things go, you know. And in fact, I just had a conversation with somebody recently, which I thought was interesting. And one of the things was said that, you know, well, it sounds like there's a lot that needs to be said between us. And at first I thought, uh uh-oh. 
And it was the weirdest thing. I later, I mean, the next day I had this, I don't know, call it a compelling to say, well, there may be a lot of things that need to be said, but let's say only what is beneficial to the other and let's leave the rest unsaid. Oh, that's such a great I know I couldn't believe came up with that. I was like, where did yeah. that come from? What were you channeling? I, you've that was a, you've yeah. been meditating, haven't you? <laughs> You know? And now but granted, no, like, that hasn't resolved, so we'll see where it goes. But I was just like, yeah, let's let's only say what's beneficial and let's yeah. Yeah, because there's a lot of things we could say, but it's so pointless. To- well, so yes. pointless and, and goes nowhere. Like like yeah. you were talking about before, the little things that we could be right up. I did this and I did this and I checked this box and this is what happened. And you know what? Most of that is superfluous. It's not even required to have a really good conversation. It's so I love that philosophy. Like, let's boil this down to what's going to help this relationship move forward. And sometimes it is pointing out things and giving critical feedback, but it doesn't always have to be. Yeah. I love that. Jody, you are a wise person. I. <laughs> We together, yes. the two of our minds together is just brilliant and very wise. The Jedi <laughs> masters of our generation. <laughs> well, we are and, so humble. And now we've just lost everybody. Yeah. Well, you know what? We, you know, I've said this before and usually Sorry. I'm going to write this book about, you know, the three most humble people in the world and how I taught the other two. But now it's going to be the three most humble people and how we taught the other person <laughs> in the world. Oh, I love it. You're always a joy to talk to, Brian. I love it. Well, likewise, and I really appreciate this time. And, and thanks so much for being here. Share how we can get in touch with you. And for uh, anyone that is interested in, you know, overcoming something. I know yeah. you are a, a amazing solution to that. So, yeah. How do we get in touch with you? Where do we go? All that. Yeah, my hub is womentakingthelead.com. All my social sharing buttons are there. But if your mode of communication is email, you can find me at Jody, J-O-D-I, at womentakingthelead.com. I respond to every message and email I get. I love it. I'll say this about me, Brian. Like, this is where my humility does not do me justice. But I'm so honored and I'm so thrilled when people reach out and ask questions and give feedback, even if it's critical. Like, because I coach type A women, they are critical, right? So I can handle <laughs> yeah. that. I think I've overcome getting offended for the most part. I can't remember the last time I got offended. And if anyone wants to reach out, I will respond to you. Um, and thank you for reaching out to me. So do it. Womentakingthelead.com. I love it. Now, granted, I, I think it's our lot in life to try to be offended. I mean, like we should make it our mission to say, you know what? We're going to do anything we can to be offended at everything that comes our way. <laughs> I know. No. Could you even imagine? Like, <laughs> I I have to say this. I can't even tell you how many times like a guy will say to me, like, well, I don't want to offend you. No. And I'm just like, try me. Try me. I can't remember the last time I oh, ever geez. got offended. And normally they will say something that is so like, I'm like, that is not as big a deal as you think it is. I'll give them credit for like wanting to be cautious. But like, uh, yeah, I mean, that was that was a good feeling one day when I was like, when was the last time I got offended? Yeah, that's so wow, cool. This is good. This well, is good. <laughs> and it's so easy to say no offense, you know, because it's just a colloquialism now. Yeah. Um, but at the same time, it's like, I really like I want you to know what I'm about to say here is not offensive. But yeah, that's. Interesting, but I'm so I'm so glad you don't take offense because I feel like especially right now in this PC world, mm. oh, everybody is offended by everything at all times because it infringes upon our selfish whatever desires. And yeah. I'm just like, guys, we got to get over this. This is ridiculous. 
Yeah, I know. And normally what comes out of people's mouth, like that, that offensive thing, all it is, is like, basically they could start the sentence with my opinion is. And like, once yeah. you realize all somebody's saying is their opinion, then what is there to get offended over? That's the totally. way they look at the world. Like, totally. I'm okay with that. Yeah, that's so true. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Jody, thank you. This has been a huge pleasure. I really appreciate it. Thank you, Brian. And thank you for those who stuck with us. Sorry. Sorry for the ending. <laughs> that was awesome. Uh, don't worry. We're not cocky. Okay. Well, I don't know about you, but that was awesome. I love it. I have all these questions that, you know, I usually try to get to and uh, I don't because I like to let the conversation go where it needs to go. And that is like the best, best thing. So thank you so much for listening. Hope you got something phenomenal out of it. And Jody, thank you so much for being here on The Real Brian Show. Jody Flynn, Women Taking the Lead. Go check it out. Awesome podcast and community. And hopefully she can be of amazing help to empower you forward in your life. Seriously, have a great day. Realbrianshow.com. Show notes. Connect there. Join the Facebook group. Love to talk to you. We'll see you tomorrow for a crazy episode. I am The Real Brian. Signing off. The Real Brian Show is a production of 514 Media at 514mediaempire.com.